They gave me free water, which is pretty cool. I thought it was cool. I'm sorry if you didn't. All right. Sorry, just give me a moment. How's everyone going this morning? It's good. Sorry. All right. So Pastor Darren's away at the moment, as we heard. Um, and so you've got me. <laughs> Pastor Darren's been uh, preaching through a series on detoxification. And someone asked me, because I actually went to home group this week. Yeah, it was a great time um, in Bly Bly. So if you're in that area, come see me and I'll let you know which home group it is. Um, it's pretty exclusive. No, <laughs> no, it's not at all. It's open to all. It's a big, lovely home. Um, so anyways, yes, uh, Darren's preaching on detoxification. Someone said, oh, are you going to continue a series? And I wasn't going to, but um, I just felt really strongly I should continue down that same line of thinking. Darren's been talking about turning away from self and turning to Christ. He's talking about the selfie generation, that we're a generation who likes to take photos of ourselves. We like whatever feels good. Rather than serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a tendency to serve our own lusts and pleasures. And he's talking about renewing our minds, renewing it with the Word of God and living for God instead of living for our selfish appetites. So I thought I would add to that, um, that message this morning. And part of it was a situation that happened uh, a week or two ago. I came across a friend of mine from an old church I used to go to. And uh, I was asking him how his daughter was going because I knew that her and her husband had split. And uh, he said, he started talking to me about it and he, he, was, he was complaining about the kind of preaching that happens on a Sunday because he said it's an unbalanced message that's being preached. You see, this man um, was cheating on her as a Christian and he said it's okay because of God's grace. That was his attitude towards the grace of God, that it was okay to cheat on your wife because God knows that we all make mistakes, God knows that we're sinners, and so he's going to forgive me anyways. And so now he's living with another woman and has broken up a family relationship with kids involved in the name of grace as a covering, when in reality he's covering his own selfish appetites. So this is the kind of thing that has burdened my heart as I was preparing this message. Uh, and it's not just, you know, it's not unique to our time period. Uh, I think of Jude, who wrote in the Bible, you know, Jude had a desire to, to write about our common salvation, he says, in verse 3 of Jude. I'll just read it to you. He says, I... I Although I was eager to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He wanted us to fight for the Christian faith. And that was his burden because he said, certain people have crept into our churches unnoticed who long ago were destined for this condemnation. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And then he reminds the church that God is still holy, that God is still judge. Verse 5, I want to remind you, though you know this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, that is the Israelites being saved out of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who didn't go on believing. 
How many Israelites didn't make it to the promised land because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion against God? The angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and have gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Their sexual immorality had gotten so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah that God sent fire from heaven to destroy the entire city, man, woman, and child, wiped out an entire people group for rebelling against God. This is the, the holy God that we worship. This is the holy God who came down in the person of Jesus. This is the same God. This is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard another story this week of a prayer breakfast in America and uh, one of the chief speakers at this prayer breakfast was running late, she said, because uh, she was in bed with her fiancé and he was wanting to do other things and she said, no, 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 we can't do that right now um, because I'll be late to the prayer breakfast. And she got everyone laughing at this prayer breakfast and then she said, you know, we're all sinners, la-di-da-di-da, and she went on with her prayer in America. That kind of Christianity is not the Christianity the Bible speaks of. It's a false gospel. It's a twisting and distorting of the grace of God. It's being promoted by false teachers who are looking at scriptures through their own sinful appetites. And rather than submitting to Jesus as their Lord and King, they still have the crown on their own head. You see, when you came to the Lord Jesus, it was supposed to be a surrendering. It was supposed to be an abiding. It was supposed to say, Lord, I want you to cleanse me. I don't want to stay in the mud any longer. I want you to wash me. Think of water baptism. What a beautiful picture. God, I want to bury my old life under the water and I want to rise up with Christ in new life, no longer serving myself, no longer serving my sin, but serving for Him who died for us and rose again. He purchased a people who would be zealous for good works. He purchased a people who would be His own special possession. You are the Lord's. I, um, I brought this cup up on stage because I was, I was thinking of an illustration as we were worshipping. And I was thinking, you know, like, if we're saying we're set apart for God, we're saying we want to be a clean vessel that He can fill with His Holy Spirit, that He can use for His purposes. But if I take this cup and I'm constantly scooping it through the mud, it's no longer set apart for what it was made for. You see, you're like this cup. God wants you to be wholly His, totally His. Refine as fire, purify my heart. We're singing these songs to God, but do we mean it? Do we want to be purified for God to use, for God to be, for us to be His dwelling place, not just now, but for all eternity, to be with the Holy One? Remember the scripture says, be holy as I am holy. God desires us to be separate and separated to Him. I want us to think about this too. Like, um, I think part of the pre problem we have in the churches is we use the wrong kind of language. You know, we talk about the church being a hospital, and it is a hospital, but what a poor hospital if it doesn't actually heal people. What a poor hospital if it doesn't actually set people free. We're a church with the living God. That means He's active among us. That means He's not just giving us a ticket to go to heaven. He's freeing us from the things that are bringing us into bondage so that we can love Him, so that we can love our neighbor. I can't properly love you 
if I love myself more than I love you? If I'm in love with my own selfishness and sinfulness and I'm inward focused, I can't properly love my brother. I need God to deliver me from inward sin and cleanse me and give me power to live for him. You see, the Bible doesn't describe you as a sinner if you're in Christ. It describes you as a saint, which just means holy. You are holy in God's sight. It says that we are sanctified. The word sanctified, let's take away the mysterious language. It just means set apart. We're set apart for him. We're described as being wholly set apart for him and bond servants or slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Free slaves. Like I willingly want to give my life for the one who gave his life for me. You know, Paul, as he opens up in his letters, he uses these various descriptions. Just as a few examples, um, 1 Corinthians, he opens to the church of God, which are at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So these people, they were, they were marked as a people who called Jesus their master, their Lord. Colossians uh, chapter 1, to the saints and faithful brethren who are in Christ in Colossae. Um, maybe just one more, Titus 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. That's God's desire for us is that we live godly lives. If someone was to examine your life, to look at how you spend your money, how you spend your time, the way you talk and the way you think, would they come to the conclusion that you're living for God? Or would they come to the conclusion that you're living for yourself? Again, to take away some of the, uh, the mystery of some of the words in the Bible, uh, grace, you know, when we think of God's grace, an acronym that might be helpful is it's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's ex expense. You know, Jesus at the cross, he bore our sin, he bore our curse. But he also did all of that to cleanse us so that we might be indwelt by God so that the fruit of the Spirit would be characteristic of our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's self-control. These are the things which changes a person's life when they come into full contact with God. So we need to ask a question this morning. Why were we saved and what were we saved from? We love to quote Ephesians chapter 2, you know. We love to quote that verse, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And that's such a wonderful verse, and it's so true. But we've got to read all these verses in context. So just before that, we see in Ephesians 2, verse 3, it says, it speaks of our former life. Paul starts by saying, firstly, you're dead in sins. You were dead in sins when you were living in them. And he says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, feeling the desires of the flesh and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath just as the others so he's he's talking about a former life that they lived before meeting the lord jesus christ then comes this verse about for by grace you've been saved but it doesn't end there it says after that for we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so he saved us from a life of serving ourselves so that we would be a people marked out um, as those who are 
created four good works. Uh, another, another verse is found in Titus chapter uh, 2. So in Titus chapter 2, that it, he says that he's calling out a people who are zealous for good works. And it's not that you and I can ever do enough good works to please God, but it's when he frees us, when he changes us, we then are freed to serve him. I, um, I have a couple of stories this morning. So one I shared last week um, at the night service, if you're here, so bear with me if um, you've heard this one already. But I was in the sauna with a gentleman. <laughs> so awkward to say it still. I was at the gym with a guy and um, he was an ex-employee of ours and he stole from our company. I'd totally forgotten about it. And he reminded me of it and he said, to this day, I just don't understand why you guys forgave me um, because we were gonna fire him but we changed our mind at the last minute and brought him back and forgave him for stealing from us. He was just a young trainee at the time. This was about seven years ago. And uh, it sparked my memory, and I remembered the conversation we had. We have Christians that work for us, and we talked about it. We said, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, because we're Christians. You know, what's the Christian response to this situation? And uh, we just came to the conclusion, well, God's shown mercy to us. God's forgiven us of the wrong things we've done. And so we should extend that, that forgiveness, that second chance to someone else. So I said to him, that's the reason we forgave you. We forgave you because God's forgiven us. And he said, dude, you don't understand. Like, that completely changed my life. And he never went back to stealing. He, he, he suffered the guilt of it for many, many years because, unfortunately, um, he still hasn't come to Christ. But that was a pivotal moment in his life where he saw a chance for change, an example of grace. Um, I think it's good we go to our main text this morning. So, Matthew chapter 7. It's on the screen behind me. Now, this is the end of uh, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the context is, you know, and Darren's been speaking about this as well. That uh, narrow is the road that leads to everlasting life. And uh, so he is. Jesus is talking about in context of entering the everlasting kingdom of God. I'll read it to you. So. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Before we... Um, before we actually look at this text, I want us to back up a little bit and remember that John the Baptist was the forerunner for the Lord Jesus. Uh, the prophecy would be that it says that one would come who would prepare the way for the Messiah, who would prepare the way for the Lord, which we know is the name of God in the Old Testament, Jehovah or Yahweh. And John the Baptist preached a message of repentance. And Again, unfortunately, there's been people who have crept into our churches who have said that repentance is nothing more than a change of thinking. And it is a change of thinking, but with that change of thinking also comes a change of direction of our lives. So John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or repent for the kingdom of God has come near to you. And Jesus continued the message of John the Baptist long after John was put in prison. But let's see what John meant by repentance. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 7, 
he spoke to these people that, that had come to him for baptism and said, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear, wor- sorry, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And he goes on to say, Every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is really vivid language. And the people asked a really smart question. They said, what should we do then? It's a good question to ask. What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to one who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. And the tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. So don't be greedy. Don't steal from people. Likewise, the shoulders up the shoulders, the soldiers, the soldiers asked him, How cool is this? Soldiers are getting saved. The soldiers asked him, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. So for the, the listeners of Jesus' day, when he was talking about repentance, they knew what it meant. It meant a turning away from sin and a turning towards God. It meant acknowledging that God is holy and we aren't, you know, we aren't cutting it. We aren't, you know, what we should be. You see, if you really believe that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son for you that there was no other way to purchase your salvation if that's your belief this morning my goodness how could you ever go back to your old way of living if your lust is what nailed him to the cross your selfishness is what nailed him there if that's what god had to do to secure your salvation how could you possibly trample on that trampling the blood of jesus underfoot and counting it a common thing you know it's not a common thing i have another story from uh, the gym. Um, so this was actually just yesterday. I just wanted to share it with you because it is um, a beautiful story. You know, I don't go to the gym necessarily looking for sermon material, but I do cheekily ask God every time I go on a Saturday, God, give me something that I can share with people on a Sunday. And so I was talking to this one guy. There was two guys in the, sa- in the sauna. There was two guys in the sauna. By the way, this is fully clothed and it's not weird. It's just what we do after we work out. There's two guys in the sauna, and I was talking to this one. I was like, hey, what are you doing on the weekend? What are you doing after this? And I was striking up conversation. At first, it was to look for an opportunity to evangelize, but then I thought, you know what? Our motive should actually be love. I should genuinely just want to connect with this guy. You know, he might be miserable. I should genuinely just see how he's going. And so it did shift halfway through. But I asked him how he was going, how his weekend was. He started talking about himself. In fact, he talked about himself the whole time. And uh, I was waiting and waiting, and if you've ever been in a sauna, it gets really hot, and you really want to get out after a few minutes, but I'm like, you know what, there's going to be a gospel opportunity, because he's going to ask me, what are you doing this afternoon, or what have you got planned on the weekend? I was going to tell him, well, I'm going home to write my sermon. But uh, yeah, he never asked me. And so he walked out, and that was the end of the conversation, and I was like, oh God, I really, and it was five minutes till the sauna closed, and I was like, oh, that's... That's a bummer. I was really expecting to share something with the people on Sunday. But when he walked out, the other guy that was there was dead silent. Because some people go on the sauna and they just meditate and do weird things, you know. Some people you feel bad for even interrupting them because they're just, you know, in the zone. Um, Either that or they're just delusional and seeing cactuses or, you know, this is really hot and you just imagine oasises. Anyways. So we started talking, and he, he's just a young guy. He told me that um, he was looking to do FIFO work, 
and uh, again, I was just like initially just wanting to connect with him. So I was just encouraging him, hey man, make sure you get a good community around you. Make sure that you stay connected to your family and friends at home. Because um, fly in, fly out work, fantastic. You'll make a lot of money. But, you know, I know a lot of people who have wrecked their lives with drugs and other things in that sort of environment. So just be very careful um, what sort of communities you put around you. And I said, for me personally, like what I've done in my life is, you know, I have my gym community, I have good quality friends, and I have my church family. So that was my little bit of bait that I threw out for the conversation. And uh, he goes, oh, are you a Catholic? Um, and I said, no, I'm not a Catholic. I go to a little um, Pentecostal church. And he was like, oh, cool. And um, then he just, I didn't do anything. He just started opening up. Well, I should say the Holy Spirit started, you know, moving this guy to open up. And he's like, look, my father just died. Um, and I remember I used to go to church with him when I was younger. And he's like, since he died, I've really been thinking about my life and thinking about, you know, eternity and all this sort of thing. And wow, what an opportunity. And so I just started sharing with him about, you know, God, about Jesus, about how, you know, Jesus is that mediator that we can access God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that he can cleanse you of sin so that there's no like wall between you and God. You can have a relationship with God. And then he started sharing his own opinions on life because it was clear that, you know, he'd only just started going to church. He even told me he, he was sneaking out of the house so his housemates wouldn't notice that he was gone on a Sunday morning to go to church. So like God's obviously drawing him. And I think it's just so beautiful that God put him in the sauna at this time for us to talk. And he stayed back after the sauna had closed and we kept chatting. Um, so it was really lovely. You see, God's desire is that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And part of that coming to the knowledge of the truth is who God is and what He wants of us. And so um, He shared with me His own opinion on things. He said, I see life is sort of like a job interview, that God's sort of up in heaven and He's behind a glass wall and He's just observing our lives. And if we live good enough lives, uh, maybe uh, we'll pass the job interview and be able to have some purpose, you know, beyond the grave. And I said to him, that's really interesting, man. But um, I said, the, the Bible actually uh, says that if God examines us, he examines our heart, our thoughts and everything, I said, we're actually guilty. We're actually not good enough to pass the exam. We don't get a passing grade. Like the Bible says that we've sinned against God. We've sinned against one another. And I said, but that's why the cross is there. Because at the cross, God took your punishment. Jesus willingly went to the cross, as we heard earlier, to bear your sin so that you could be forgiven, so that you could pass right now. You don't have to wait to die to have some purpose. I said to him, you can be cleansed of your sin now and be employed in God's service now. Like right now, you can be an employee of God. And I even said to him, like Jesus takes off his employee uniform and covers you in it so that you can be part of God's kingdom. He covers you in his righteousness. So I'm really hoping this guy comes to a saving relationship with Jesus. It's really cool. He's not from around here, so I'm not likely to see him ever again, but how cool would it be in eternity to see that guy? Back to our text. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Sorry, I'm getting so distracted. I read like, I read like, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so <laughs> I could complain about myself, but this is how my brain works. This is how God made me, and I will rejoice in it. So, 
In that day, the scripture says, in that day, that's the day of judgment. Did you know the Lord Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead? Let's hear it from his own mouth. John 5 verse 21. For even as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The Old Testament told us that Jehovah or Yahweh would judge his people. But in the New Testament, we see that revealed that Jesus is that judge. So this is a position of judgment in the future. People will be saying to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty signs and wonders in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, this is not to negate some of our favorite verses. You know, we think of Romans 10 verse 9. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's a beautiful verse that we treasure. But what this is negating is someone who professes with their lips that Jesus is their master, but lives a life contrary to that profession. Jesus in another place in Luke chapter 6 says, Why do you call me master, master, and do not do the things that I tell you? You're like a person building a house on sand. And when the storm comes, the whole house is going to collapse because it wasn't founded on the rock. Why do you call me master, master, and don't do the things that I say? Jesus spoke of the religious leaders of his day and he called them hypocrites. Matthew chapter 15 verse 7, he called the, the religious Pharisees hypocrites. He said, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Where's your heart this morning? Is your heart matching your lips this morning? Or are we deceiving ourselves? Are we, are we living an external Christianity like the Pharisees? and not a genuine one. You know, A.W. Tozer, great Christian author, he wrote, Christians don't tell lies, they just go to church and sing them. I'm really glad that we had the song lyrics that we had this morning, Refine as Fire, you know, Purify My Heart. These are the things we were singing to God. Did we mean it? Did we mean it truly? God, purify my heart. God, set me apart for you, Lord. If that's you, if you're a hypocrite this morning, if you're one who professes that Jesus is your Lord, but you're living a life contrary to it, I just want to encourage you to humble yourself before God this morning. In, in James, you know, he says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and He will raise you up. Because God will give His grace to the humble. Don't be proud like the Pharisees who were too proud to be baptized by John the Baptist. They were too proud to acknowledge that they needed cleansing, that they needed washing. God wants to save you, but He's not going to force you. And, you know, we can't, we can't be like this kid in the sauna thinking that I'm going to just work hard at it and be good enough to meet God's standard. You know, these guys had an awesome set of credentials. They claimed they prophesied in the name of Jesus. They did signs and wonders in his name. Jesus actually never disputed their claim. And I think part of the reason he didn't dispute it is because it's not the point of the story. The point is these credentials will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. You can't go, oh, look, I prayed for 100 sick people. Oh, look, I have a Jesus tattoo on my arm. Don't you know I wore the shirt that said I love Jesus? Don't you know I went to church every Sunday morning? Those things are not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. 
knowing Him, being in right relationship with Him, having a heart that's turned towards Him instead of against Him, trusting that Jesus became sin at the cross for you is what's going to get you into heaven. So the ones who enter the kingdom of God are those who do the will of the Father. I think it's important that we just consider that, that you know, what is the will of the Father? There's many things in Scripture that talk about God's will for our lives. We don't have time to go over them all. But I, I just want to mention a few. So in John chapter 2, this is the Apostle John, the one we call the Apostle of Love. He shares something about the will of God. He says, he warns us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. So if you live according to the lusts of the world, John says you will perish with the world. We see it in other places coming up, you know, like uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that you should know how to possess your own body in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You know, that characterizes our old lives. But now we live for Him. We're saying, I'm leaving that life behind. I'm, I'm counting my old life dead. And I'm living for God now. See, Jesus was our forerunner. He was our example. And Jesus said, I've come not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me. Can you say that this morning? That you're living your life saying, it's not my will anymore, God, but I've come to do your will. I've come to live for you, to please you. And how can we understand this will of God? Well, it's only by surrendering our lives to Him. Romans 12 says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's talk a bit about this word lawlessness and, and the fact that Jesus said to these people, I never knew you. You know, it says again in, in 1 John that God is light. This is the message we've heard from Jesus. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. In other words, if we say we have a relationship with God, but continue to walk in darkness, you're self-deceived. You're lying. You're lying to yourself or you're lying to others. John went on to say in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Now by this we know we know Him if we keep His commandments. What? John, are you saying that it's by works? No, this isn't a different gospel. This is the same gospel. This is the gospel that says when we believe on Him, we live for Him. By this, we know Him when we, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know God, or that is, I have a relationship with God, he who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. It's everywhere. You know, Jesus himself said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And he says, I will reveal myself to you. 
I'm sorry that I'm laboring the point, but I don't want us to be deceived this morning. I don't want us to have a profession of faith, and a mere external Christianity with no heart reaction towards God. We are bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Lord, our King, the one we worship. I want you to hear what John also has to say. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus appeared to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Whoever abides in Jesus does not go on sinning. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And then we read, why did Jesus come? Why did he come to rescue us? Was it just to get us a ticket to heaven? Or was it something so, so much more powerful than that? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not go on sinning, for his seed remains in him. This is talking about the Spirit of God. And he cannot sin because he's now been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are made manifest or made clear. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And again, the fruit of the Spirit. We've got to think about this. There's a contrast Paul does in Galatians chapter 5. The works of the flesh, fornication, adulteries, thefts, gossiping tongues, slandering. The works of the flesh in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. And against those things, the Scripture says there's no law. You don't need to live by law anymore. You need to live by a relationship with the Holy One. I just want to finish with one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We should all know this, but we've got to be reminded of it. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He didn't leave you in that state of bondage to sin. He washed you. He set you apart. He declared you to be righteous in His sight through the Lord Jesus and by God's Spirit. And so if you're a child of God this morning, if you're actually in Him, if your faith is genuine, if your profession of faith is Jesus is Lord, is real, you've been washed. You are called beloved in Christ. He's raised you with you and seated you in heavenly places. You know, it is good news to the ears of anyone who's willing to listen. I don't mean to preach so much judgment. Normally I preach so much kindness and goodness of God, but I don't want us to be unbalanced. The message to all of us is repent and believe the good news. God wants to cleanse and wash all of us. He wants all of us in His kingdom. Don't go out of here thinking God hates me. Go out of here thinking... God loves me and is pursuing me through the speaker. God gave me this message. If I had a different message planned, God told me to preach this message. And 
I'm trying to be obedient to him because he wants this message to go to someone here or maybe more than one person here. And so hear the voice of God. As it says in Hebrews chapter 3, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of rebellion. Heed the voice of God and respond to him. Respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good news. I'm just going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to sing... um, one or both of the last two songs because they were both wonderful and I want us to sing honestly to God this morning I don't want us to be guilty of lying to him if you can't sing the lyrics ask God to give you his grace so that you can sing the lyrics you see God's grace is there to strengthen you where you have no strength to forgive you where you you fall short like that's his mercy extended to you if you need clarity on anything I've shared Um, Or if you want prayer or just to discuss anything, I'm going to stay back um, and I'll be even at the front uh, during worship. If you don't know God, though, hear the simple message. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all sin. He'll give you a new heart. He'll put a new spirit within you. He'll write his law on your heart and mind so that you're able to obey him. How wonderful is that? He takes the burden off your shoulders so that you can be free, free to love him and free to love others. Praise God. Let's just pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Um, We thank you for so much. You've been so good to us. Lord, giving us your word, which is a light unto our feet. Sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our place at the cross and raising him from the dead so that we had hope of everlasting life. Lord, give people here a heart to receive your word. Lord, give us ears to hear. We want to respond to you in faith. You said in your word, without faith, it's impossible to please you. So we trust in you, God. We trust in your goodness, your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen.